Hi, welcome to Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your life one Monday at a time. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful in what they do or extremely positive-minded are those people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's special guest. Our guest today is Mrs. Sherry Goldberg. Sherry is the founder and former president of the Cleveland branch of Autism Speaks. Autism Speaks is the leading organization in autism research today and is the number one source for all there is to know on autism and provides the best ways to give and receive help. Autism Speaks is dedicated to promoting solutions. They're continuously advancing research has been providing groundbreaking discoveries for nearly 15 years now. Today, we have the privilege to hear from Sherry, as she too has a child with autism. She will be sharing with us what Autism Speaks is all about and how she and her family have been positively raising their son, Noah. So it's that the path is different. You thought it was going to look one way. A lot of us have a life that we thought was going to look a particular way and it ended up another way. This is very normal. have founded the Cleveland chapter of Autism Speaks and have made a huge impact in our community, but you're also the mother of a child with autism. What is that like for you? What, is, what has that experience been like for you? So initially the experience was very different 20 years ago than it is now. Everything is an evolution. And so initially it's very shocking and scary and it was um, a bit isolating. I didn't know who to turn to. There wasn't a lot of information about autism. There was no Autism Speaks. There were no organizations that I knew of at all. I really didn't know anything about autism. I was even a teacher. I didn't teach special ed, but as a teacher, I took a lot of education classes, so I knew nothing about autism except for this one book called Dibs in Search of Self, which I read when I was like in ninth grade because I was fascinated with teaching. And it was about a young boy who had something like autism, I guess, and he was in a corner banging his head against a wall. So that's what I had an image of. Um, The only other image I had was of Rain Man, which is a movie about siblings. And one of the siblings has autism and it's with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise, a beautiful movie in certain ways, but I really, that's all I knew. So um, it was a, it was really a search for understanding for what this is going to mean for our family. Um, what's it going to mean for our other son, um, who's only 18 months older than our son who had just been diagnosed with autism. What's it going to mean for my husband, myself, our extended family. So at first I really didn't know what it was going to mean. And then I did eventually, um, as things evolved and he felt, I felt like I was on a good path, I saw the evolution of how it was making us um, an even tighter family, an even closer group, um, how I was growing with my son and learning a lot more about my resilience and my grit and my ability to persevere and learn and then turn it into something positive. 
Um, that wasn't at the very beginning, and I don't mean to be Pollyanna, but really what happened was something that seemed really difficult and impossible to deal with ended up becoming something quite beautiful. Of course, my son is beautiful no matter what he has and what he does and what he's capable of doing. Um, he's come so far, but he was beautiful then too. It's just, it was a different beautiful. It was a different dream. And your dream really gets dashed and squashed because your vision of your child is like, they're going to drive, they're going to go to college, possibly, they're going to get married, they're going to, whatever, you have all these dreams and ideas of what, I guess, typical, and I'm using air quotes, kids do, but that was not going to be happening for my son. Um, I had family members, and I don't blame them, who really didn't know how to interact. Look, I didn't know how to interact with my son. I had to teach family members how to interact. Um, people would ask me questions. Sometimes I wasn't in the mood to answer questions. Sometimes I just wanted to be. I didn't want to like have to teach all the time. Um, but I also knew that I needed to make sure that everybody was on board. And so some people went to seminars. Some people went to his therapy classes or classes. Um, some people heard me speak in the community. They would come to my lectures or talks. Um, I would sit down with people. I would suggest books and articles I would send to everybody. A little later, it was a lot easier. I would be emailing them. Originally, I would be sending them snail mail. That's how long this has been going on, about 20-some years. But um, but I think everyone's evolved from it. And everyone would say that Noah is so special and Noah has made us better people. Um, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but as long as we have this, I have to look at um, the silver lining. I have to look at what I'm grateful for. And... And I have to look at how this is a positive. Someone very near and dear to me has a quote that goes, life is tough, then you die. And for the sake of the podcast, I think that's the worst quote ever. I mean, it's just the most morbid, depressing thing you could ever say. Life does not suck, but there is truth in that. And the truth lies in the fact that in life, there are challenges and struggles. And I think it's extremely important that whenever we come up with a challenge or a tribulation, that not only is it important that we overcome it, but that we grow from it. So I'm just wondering, raising a child with autism, have you seen you and your family grow from that experience? Or do you just look at it as just another set of challenges that every family faces? You know, I don't walk in everybody's shoes. So what I do know is, is that everybody has a struggle. There's nobody on this planet who doesn't have a thing that they're dealing with. Even the wisest rabbi, the, the, most, um, um, you know, the most amazing CEO who makes tons of money or, or, or somebody who appears to have it all, they all have something. You might not know it. They might not want to show it to you. Mine is more outward because I have Noah. Some people have addiction. Some people have a loss in their family so huge, a death or a... Uh, there's an unimaginable things that some people have and nobody doesn't have a thing that they're dealing with that they're coping with and that's why we're on the planet isn't it so that we can grow and learn and be better leave it a little better than we came in you know make the world a little bit better place I know it sounds cliche but I mean why else would we be here and how about you personally have you seen growth in your personal life I had to learn how to do things that I didn't learn before. I think I had certain characteristics, you know, not to brag, but I had, as a teacher, I was patient and organized, and I had certain characteristics that, uh, you know, some teachers have. Um, 
a, a, a yearning for learning and um, always like being, I love being with kids. I just like, you know how some people are dog whispers. I love being with children, young adults, teenagers. I just have like a, a, a passion for that. I love it. I, I learn from people that are younger. I find it fascinating. I want to hear what they want to say. So I think that I had certain things that I was good at, like we all do. And then other things that now I think I might have not learned. Um, you know, there are things that I worried about that I do not worry about anymore because I have Noah. Noah's taught me. Um, I think I would have worried in the past about my son not going to college. Um, that was just an important thing, be it um, community college, taking classes, whatever it was. Now I'm like, not everybody's on a college path. Not everybody gets married. Not everybody likes to drive. Not everybody, it's okay. Sherry, how did Autism Speaks and your involvement with the organization begin? So Autism Speaks came from a bunch of other small groups in 2007, there was something called CAN, Cure Autism Now, or the Organization for Autism Research, NAR, um, the National Autism Research Organization. So there were all these different little groups and they all came together to become Autism Speak so that there could be one kind of clearinghouse for all of this. Now there are still small groups and there's still local groups, but Autism Speaks is the, is the group that does um, the number one research in the world, billions and billions of dollars. And not to say that there are other, aren't other great researchers, but um, what Autism Speaks does is outreach. It does education. It grants money to organizations that need funding. So for instance, we give money back to our community in tens of thousands of dollars for family services, everything from giving iPads to schools to summer swimming lessons to kids who don't know how to swim and can't afford lessons to creating conferences in our town um, for people to become more educated. Then we give hundreds of thousands of dollars back for research um, at places like Case Western Reserve University or Cleveland Clinic. Or So we do a variety of things um, for the community from family services, research, raising awareness and raising money. Sherry, what was it that propelled you to get involved in spreading autism awareness and eventually getting involved with Autism Speaks? Well, so what happened was there was this one book everybody seemed to be suggesting. It was called Let Me Hear Your Voice. And I don't want to put it down. And it was a, a fine book, but it really didn't speak to me. What happened was I was like, is this the only way that we're going to be teaching our child? It was um, through a particular way. And I felt like there might be other ways to do this. And this seemed a little bit rigid and a little bit not my style as a teacher. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to learn more about it. So I did read the book. I did find it helpful in certain ways, but more than not, I found it like I wanted to search more. And so I started seeking out, um, I, like I mentioned, I started um, going to bookstores and trying to find articles and and going to the library, it was before a lot of computer stuff for me anyways. I wasn't in the in the workplace, so people were just starting to have emails. Um, I sound like I'm so old, but I'm not. Can you help me understand what exactly autism is, you know, to the best of our research today? And also, it's my understanding that autism is to be considered a spectrum disorder, where a child is diagnosed to be on the spectrum of, of autism. What does that mean exactly? So what we know about autism is that, that it's a spectrum disorder. 
um, everything from lower functioning to high functioning and everything in between. And some people say, you know, where is Noah on the spectrum? And it seriously depends on the hour, the day, the mood. It's hard to sometimes pinpoint. Um, so he has what I would call um, evolving language. He has language for things that he needs um, when he needs to get his needs met, like you know, food, uh, clothing, it's hot, it's cold, he doesn't feel good. But in terms of conversation, he's a lot lower. So that is more of a prompted thing where I would say, Noah, look who's here, what do you say? And then you have a little circle of communication back and forth and then he's really not that interested because really what he wants to do is not be social, that's hard for him. But um, he does like being around people. I mean, he's learned so much. So there's a lot of different things that kids on the spectrum, they could be high functioning and low in one area, lower functioning and high in another area. I'll give you another example. Noah um, is very high functioning in terms of his visual acuity. He's visually very perceptive. He can see a piece of lint on your shirt from across the, the room. He can do a thousand piece puzzle and in a week, uh, you know, he could sit down for five hours at a time and work on a thousand piece puzzle. So there's certain things that he can do. He can copy the font of any Disney uh, Disney movie and write in the font of Cinderella or Notre Dame or The Hunchback of Notre Dame or, or uh, any, any font. And he can completely copy it exactly how it looks. So that, that's something that's unusual. So not all of our kids have these gifts or talents. Some are just, you know, basic, normal kids with some quirks, but there are some gifts involved also. Um, so I would say that in terms of autism, we say that if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism. We talk about snowflakes. All snowflakes are different. And truthfully, we're all different. Um, one of the things when I'm talking in the community is I talk to particularly students, um, young and older students, that we're really all the same and we're all different. We have a lot of the same um, curiosities and quirks and nervousness and then we have differences of what we're interested in or what we were fascinated by you know there's a lot of things that make us similar and different but in many ways they are looking as normal as possible so we do have that but we found that there's a neighborhood of genes there are certain genetic markers um i don't have all the verbiage for exactly what we found but there's a lot of things that we've looked into that we've come so far about. So we've made progress. Tons of progress, particularly in the last 20 years, I would say. And how would you compare autism? How would you compare and contrast autism to other disabilities and other disorders? Well, um, or does it not compare? Well, like I would say, for instance, let's say um, some families have young um, children who are born with Down syndrome. Um, Down syndrome kids are very social. Many of them have certain talents that other kids don't have but then kids with autism don't so, so and some kids with autism do have down syndrome and some kids with autism also have ocd or anxiety disorder or attention deficit disorder or um uh depression so i think that um i think the commonality is when you have someone in your family that's different your family feels different and really what we need to do in our world is try to feel included, not isolated, um, a part of something. Nobody wants to feel on the outskirts. Nobody wants to feel alone. We've all felt that way. We've all felt, 
in, a, in our own way, even at a young age, we've all felt left out of the team or on the playground. Nobody wants to feel that way. So no matter what the disability is, um, I think we all want to try to feel a part of something. And is there a cure out there? Are we getting closer to it? Yeah, so we don't really use the word cure anymore. Um, what we've learned is some kids can what we call recover, which might mean that they were diagnosed with autism at an early age and they have come so far that they either pass for typical, whatever that means, and I have quotes up again because typical is a misnomer sometimes, neurotypical we call it, but who's neurotypical, you know? Um, Or they are in regular classes with very few supports or almost no support or they go to regular college, so they really have come so far. It would be like a, a young person who had very severe dyslexia at an early age or attention deficit disorder, and they have come so far that you almost can't tell. Or they've they haven't grown out of it they haven't lost that diagnosis that's amazing and do you have any interaction with the scientists and the doctors themselves I do so one of the scientists the chief science officer of all of autism speaks internationally his name is Tom Frazier he's a brilliant doctor and the father of a son on the spectrum and he happens to live down the street from me in Cleveland even though he's our national chief science officer and he is brilliant and he explains um, a lot to me in layman's terms because I don't understand the science all the time and these um, these really complicated reports. But he has said that we've come very, very far in finding out neighborhood of genes, um, environmental reasons, um, and ways that kids get autism, um, what we're going to do treatment-wise, how we're going to help um, curb the 1 in 59 kids and how we're going to try to get it to a better number than that because one in 59 is unacceptable. That's like an epidemic in our country. And um, basically the number of kids with autism is greater than AIDS, diabetes combined. And so we really need more research and more money from the National Institute of Health, um, the Center for Disease Control. We need to really uh, put more money into this. Has there been any recent activity with the organization and the city of Cleveland? Yes, um, we have raised millions of dollars in Cleveland through a variety of organizations, a variety of uh, activities. One was Rock Till It Stops, which was a a rock concert at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum. Um, And we raised a lot of money that way for five years. Then for five years, we've been doing something called the Autism Speak, Cleveland Autism Speak Chef Gala with Michael Simon and friends, 20 local um, chefs who participate and donate their time and food. Um, We've done that. We also have walks where we raise money. Um, Walk teams do not have to register and pay a certain amount. They can raise anywhere from 10, 20, 30, $40 to hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, And then we have free cone day, small little events like free cone day. I have an art show. So there's different ways to raise money. Some people do simple things like wear blue at their workplace and then everybody pays $10 or they wear jeans and they're not allowed to wear blue jeans. They sell candy bars. There's all sorts of ways to raise money. All the money goes to such a great cause. What would you tell a parent or parents who just found out that their child has been diagnosed with autism? Well, the first thing I would say is there is a grieving process for almost all people that I've met. Um, and I don't mean to uh, say 
how it how you grieve everybody grieves differently but there is a loss there's a loss of the dream that I mentioned so it's that the path is different you thought it was going to look one way a lot of us have a life that we thought was going to look a particular way and it ended up another way this is very normal when it comes to battling these kinds of struggles in life that you know we weren't necessarily taught about in school what are some things that we have to keep in mind that we might forget I would say humility, being humble and knowing that we can't possibly know everything and that we have to seek out wiser, sager people. They might not even be older. I have friends who are so wise that are younger. I have a few Rabbitsons, um, which are rabbis' wives and teachers who are younger than I am, who are so wise. I go to them, these several women um, who guide me and help me. I help them too sometimes. So um, you have to be willing to help and be a helper. You have to be willing to give and get outside of yourself, but also give other people the opportunity to help you. This is something I learned later in life. I always wanted to be the helper, but sometimes people want to help you. Sometimes you have to give them the opportunity to do a good deed also. So um, I would say also, um, my parents um, are wonderful people at um, about um, 19. They separated and got divorced eventually. And that is a very difficult thing for almost everybody. And I think that even though I wouldn't wish that on anybody um, and it wasn't my life to live their marriage, I think it created some grit and resilience in me that maybe I might not have had otherwise. I'm very accepting of different types of families. Everybody doesn't have the nuclear family with the mother and the father and the boy and the girl. Everybody is kind of on their own path. So I think I'm fairly and hopefully non-judgmental person. I try to be open to people where they are. So that, I think, um, has helped me to grow and learn and accept. But um, it's a road. It's definitely a path. That's beautiful. I think Autism Speaks is, is a fantastic organization. And promoting autism awareness is something that I think is very important. How can myself and how can everyone else get involved in Autism Speaks? The first way you could get involved is go to our website and, um, and learn a little bit more. And so when you're in the community and you see someone with, with autism, instead of staring or kind of feeling like you're outside of their world, you would understand their world a little better. So more compassion, more understanding, more acceptance integration. If you have someone in your family, maybe ask that parent or grandparent or aunt or uncle, how could I better interact? What what can I do to help you? That would be a great way. It's not always about raising money. Sometimes it's about connect, connecting. What advice can you give to someone who is going through a rough time in their life, who isn't finding success financially or or in a relationship or just isn't happy and they wake up every morning and they have a hard time getting out of bed yeah. with everything you've learned and everything that you've taught what can you what what advice can you offer this person I to do something that I do which is collect moments of joy in the day and collect gratitude so at the end of the day you write several things you're grateful for because everyone no matter how down you can be can find something you're grateful for and I'm going to give you an example of what I used to do I first learned about this on the Oprah Winfrey show I would look at Oprah for some solace and some advice. And she, 
I'd be home with the kids and I'd be making dinner. So I'd turn on Oprah and it was a great hour. And Oprah was quite the guru and I followed her a lot. And she had this woman on one time and she said, um, create a gratitude journal and find things you're grateful for. And the gratitude journal really helped me. I have hours, I have hours, I have pages and pages of gratitude journals, maybe 20 over the years where I have three things that I'm grateful for every day without repeating. The very first um, entry of my gratitude journal was very dark. It was got out of bed, brushed my teeth, washed my hair. And so that's the place you were right at the beginning. That's the place I was. So that's pretty low. Eventually it was like the sun is shining. It's not a gray day. Cleveland is very gray you know, little things, but then eventually it was huge things. Got to go to Israel with uh, my mother and my sister. Uh, Got a sitter for Saturday night, saw a movie and had dinner. Um, Had a wonderful night playing Scrabble with my family. Noah finished a thousand piece puzzle. There were so many things I couldn't believe. The thing about gratitude is it multiplies. The more you find gratitude, the more you find joy, the more you have it. The more blessings, the more the more uh, prayers, the more blessings, the more blessings you get. So that's my theory. And I really think it's true. Um, I, I understand if you're clinically depressed, clinically anxious, a gratitude journal is not going to solve your problems, but it might lift things a little bit if you're being helped with it by a medical professional. So I would say those few things and then find your support group, find your, what I call board of directors. Um, A friend of mine, Rifki Weiss, coined this term, and she allows me to use it. She says, get your board of directors. They don't even have to know they're on your board. Who's your couple girlfriends, your couple guy friends, your couple, your your favorite auntie, your favorite this, your favorite that, your uh, a businessman down the street, a a neighbor that you really respect. Find these people who you go to for um, for joy and solace and, and advice and find people in your world to help you. I think it's such a great question, Mav. And first of all, as a um, where I'm sitting right now, I love Mondays. Because Mondays, even though I've had a great weekend with my family, typically, Mondays is when I have the house to myself. I usually stay home on Mondays. I do laundry. My laundry was brought from my basement to my first floor. So that's exciting to me. Um, I put on music. I'm with my dog. I have my coffee. So for me, Mondays are exciting. And great, I'm looking forward to Monday because that's my regrouping day. So I think a lot of it is a mindset and a perspective. And I was thinking about Mondays too. When I was a young teacher and just starting off, I couldn't wait for Monday. I couldn't wait to see my students. I couldn't wait to teach them my new lesson plans. My book was all fresh. I had all sorts of ideas. So for me, Monday was exciting. Now, that's not to say that Fridays weren't great, too, because as a teacher, you've had a long week and Friday is very tiring. (laughs) So, you know, it's not to say you don't need to regroup and renew and refresh for the weekend. But I like the idea of Mondays are fabulous. Mondays are a way to regroup, start over, have a a fresh way to begin again, um, tackle something new, set a new goal. So I I think of Mondays as um, the beginning of something positive and something great. So maybe a little perspective change or a little tweak in the paradigm or the way you look at something might change Mondays to the most magnificent of days. Lastly, Sherry, thank you so much for taking the time 
It's been an incredible privilege to hear from you. Thank you so much. Each episode here on Maverick Mondays is approximately 30 minutes long. At the end of each episode, we will briefly recap and highlight some of the important points discussed. This will help us properly utilize the information we just heard so that we can remember what was discussed and take it to heart. What really struck me in my conversation with Sherry Goldberg was, I'm not sure if you could tell, but Sherry has one of the most positive attitudes of anyone I've ever seen. She is literally bubbling over with happiness and joy in our interview. This to me is amazing, especially since over the years she hasn't had the easiest go. As a child, she mentioned that her parents split up and now she's raising a child with autism for nearly 22 years. And yet she still finds it in her to be so extremely positive minded and so, so bubbly all the time. I think that's amazing. Another thing that really impressed me was the amount of respect and love that she has for all the people in her life that have influenced her and that continue to be there for her, whether emotionally, physically, or even spiritually. Here are some things that make great takeaway points from our conversation. One, everyone we meet has challenges in their life, yet we have the ability to grow from them. Two, when looking at the big picture of life, it's really not worth fretting over the small things. Three, help others and let others help you. Four, seek out advice and counsel from those older and wiser than you might be. Five, always try to include others. Nobody likes to feel left out. Six, collect moments throughout your day and throughout your week that make you smile. Write them down on a piece of paper, in a journal, or in your phone, and then reflect on them. This will attract more things into your life that will make you smile. Seven, find your board of directors, that one friend or that favorite family member who you can confide in for anything. Eight, try to enjoy and appreciate the small things in life, like a good cup of coffee or fresh clean clothes. Nine, Mondays can be the most magnificent day of the week but only if you decide to change your attitude about them. 10, and lastly, learn more about autism and help spread the awareness. Autism Speaks is a fantastic organization. Check them out today and see how you too can get involved. Thank you for listening. The next step is for you to do your part. We heard some pretty amazing things being discussed, but if you truly want to grow, and become the best version of you, and yes, I mean the best version of you, listen to the episode twice, maybe even three times, and perhaps take notes. These are priceless key elements to achieving success and finding happiness, even on the most unmotivating Monday. Thank you for joining us.